This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. 2NURFM 103.7. We're talking travel. I'm Jane Klein and Barry Warwick is with us again today. And Barry, welcome. We've got some tips for travellers coming up. Travelling season is upon us, isn't it? Well, we're travelling. It's Christmas holidays and lots of people are going back home to visit uh, friends and relatives and um, it's school holidays and so people are taking their families away. So just thought that it was uh, a good time to, you know, go through and refresh a few of the things that people need. Yes, because Uh, it's much better to know in advance than be caught short. Um, it certainly is, and I can tell you that there's nothing worse than getting to the airport and finding that, um, you know, say your name's been misspelt and it doesn't match your passport, and that's uh, that's always an interesting uh, interesting one. Of course, your travel agent should check, but, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people forget that they're... Um, they've always used their second name in, rather than their their first name, and um, so when know. they're filling out the immigration card, um, that's well, got to match. Well, the the but you, your passport actually has to match with your ticket, or your driver's license has to has to match, and uh, it can become tricky because um, my sister in law, for example, um, I've no, always known her as Phyllis, and that's what she has on a driver's license, but on her passport, she's a Philomena. So, you know. Uh, <laughs> Even right. that's tricky right. if you're taking the wrong sort of identification. So are you taking a licence or are you taking your passport? Passport, exactly. <laughs> Make sure it's right or it's but whichever identity you're using. Using, exactly. <laughs> um, but I just thought that we would cover some other things, you know, like um, um, taking money. You've you've got the cash cards, uh, which you can go into automatic tellers overseas. Now, the main benefit of these, of course, is that they don't have your name on. So if they're lost or stolen, uh, there's less chance of, um, you know, the wrong thing being done. And you can now get... Um, ones that are debit cards that actually act like a, a credit card. And again, they haven't got your name on, uh, but you can use them to make purchases in shops. And um, So what makes them secure? From What makes them secure is, is, is basically there's no, um, no ID, there's no signature, so you, you do have to use a, a PIN number to, to utilise them. Uh, but it means that if they're lost or stolen, it doesn't automatically have your name and um, there's been a scam in Asia for quite some time where um, they used to just take the imprint of the the card number and your name so that all matched up Um, it had the validity date of the card when from and to and so um, about six months after you returned home, you'd start getting these charges from somewhere else in the world. And, of course, it would be a genuine card. So when it was swiped through a machine, it looked okay. Um, but in reality, um, someone had just made up a, a fake card. So these are why these are a little bit safer. You do have to have the pin. Uh, you can load them with uh, just a set amount of cash. So... Um, if for some reason, and I can't imagine how, but, you know, if, if for some reason someone got hold of um, the card and the pin, um, then the amount of loss that you, you're liable for is, is um, insignificant. Well, not insignificant, but it's, it's reduced. Hands. It's not mm. like they've got access to everything that you, um, that, that you that own. That you own, right. Yeah. So are they easy to replace if you do lose? Or? Um, yeah, well, basically you get two cards. So uh, another good thing is that if the credit card is, is, um, 
if you were using your credit card and it was cancelled, um, it can also cancel in a lot of cases your partners and so you don't have any access. With this one, if one card is lost or stolen, the other card uh, is still usable because, again, uh, there's no real trace to for, for the thief to work out which account it's uh, going to. So, um, Cash yeah. cards. Cash cards, I think that they're, they're good and you should uh, check with your travel agent uh, uh, about those. Um, foreign currency, it's uh, always wise to to start at least start off in the country that you're going with with a little bit of local currency, uh, just for those little incidentals because uh, while you can get money out at the airport and, and the, sometimes it's not always that convenient, particularly if you've got a transfer and you're, you, you know, you're marshaled over. So it's, it's good to have that just for the first, uh, little while so that you can, until you get established. How much do you think is a good idea to take? Well. Good hard cash. A good. <laughs> This varies a little bit depending on the country you're travelling to. How's that for a good politician's answer? But I usually think, look, a couple of hundred, and again, um, just so that you're not carrying too much cash with you, um, so that, again, if your wallet's stolen or your purse is stolen, you're not going to lose too much money so um, that's a couple of hundred australian australian dollars in yeah in in yeah. the equivalent and that gets you going for the first couple of days and then you can um you know take use out some whatever. other cash mm-hmm. or um you know use your your cards from there on in um another important thing um that you you need to have is always have travel insurance now um Again, there's, there's a lot of different ones on the market. Always read the fine print carefully. Uh, but just a few of the major exclusions that they have is, um, quite often pre-existing illness, you either pay an additional premium for it, or if you cover with your, um, you know, credit card, quite often they don't cover pre-existing illnesses. So a lot of people think, oh, well, it's okay, I'm covered. Um, then it's their pre-existing illness that they probably could have got covered on a normal insurance that, that causes them the grief. And, uh, so it is possible to make sure that things like that are covered. Are covered. And look, if, if you do apply for insurance, um, at least you know um, we send it, well, with our particular company, we send it away. Uh, to the doctor, it comes back and says, yes, we will cover that, or no, that's not going to be covered, and at least you know from the outset whether you're covered or not. Anything else with travel insurance that's important to know? Um, look, I guess travel insurance never covers disinclination to travel. So if you decide, oh, look, I'm not going to travel, obviously that's not covered. Um, changing business circumstances, you know, you might uh, there might be something in your business and, and um, then... Uh, you can't go because of that. It's not always covered by the travel insurance. So that just things always read that. If nothing else on an insurance, read the the exclusion part. To NURFM 103.7 and we're talking travel thanks to our sponsor Travel World on King, Barry Warwick. We're looking at tips for travellers and passports. Yeah, pass, passports and visas are always an important uh, aspect, particularly with overseas travel, but 
passports, generally Australian passports require a six-month validity uh, when you're going to a lot of countries. So You don't want it to expire two weeks after you go. Two, two weeks after you go, that, exactly right. And a lot of countries won't let you in unless you have six months after your proposed return date. So uh, that's really important. There are a few exceptions that are three months, but generally speaking, make sure that you have at least six months to go on your passport whenever you're, you know, uh, traveling. So can you renew your passport here when it's six months away from expiring? You, yes, you can. Uh, and and the, the passport office, uh, you know, realized that, um, you know, a lot of countries require that six-month validity. So there's nothing worse uh, than to arrive at a country and then be told that you're not allowed to enter because your passport hasn't got enough validity on it. Uh, the other thing is visas and and. If you're on an Australian passport, there's a lot of places that you don't need visas for these days, and it's pretty good. But uh, you should always check uh, whether you, you do need a visa. Some visas are actually issued at the border. Um, Chile, for example, there's a fee. Uh, even Indonesia, going to, um, to Bali for a holiday, uh, your visa is actually issued at the passport. So while you don't need one to obtain one before you leave here, you do actually pay for one on your arrival. Um, another thing with um, with getting visas is most other visas you do have to obtain in advance. Um, it varies from with the consulate just how long they take. So again, it's something that's wise to check with your travel agent. And you know, if you're travelling with a friend that's say on an English passport and you're on an Australian passport, don't assume that they both um, have the same visa requirements because um, they will be different. And um, so if you're travelling on a foreign passport, uh, really check your, your visa requirements and you may need to get a re-entry into Australia. Now, it's interesting that if you're carrying dual citizenship and there's a lot of people that say have a UK passport and an Australian passport, if you've got that uh, Australian passport, you can't get a re-entry into Australia in your English passport because the Australian authorities expect you to travel on that, your Australian passport. So you go out on your Australian passport, say you're going into the UK, then it's better to travel into the UK on your UK passport. So uh, you've just got to remember that if you're one of those people in that uh, with dual passport um, things. Um, another Probably, uh, you know, travel warnings is another important thing. Mm. Now, the Where Australian. Where do you find out about those? Well, if you go to the website, uh, www.smarttraveller.gov.au, you'll find the, um, Australian government's warnings on various places. And that's a really important, uh, place to check. You can also register, uh, that you're actually traveling overseas so that the Department of Foreign Affairs is aware, um, that you are overseas and, and they have detail, then they have details if you're next of kin need to be, uh, notified or, you know, uh, it just makes it a little bit easier. So it's an important website. Um, I might just give that again. It's uh, www.smarttraveller.gov.au. Mm. Um, other things to be, uh, I, I guess, to be aware of is, um, you know, if you need to cancel your ticket these yes. days, um, just everything seems to have cancellation fees. And remember that also travel agents, it takes them a lot of time and they uh, also will charge a fee if you, you're cancelling. Um, this so is within a certain time or within any time? It, it basically, once you've paid money, uh, 
if you need to change for any reason, uh, it, it, you know, while it seems to be uh, something that is is really easy from your perspective, um, it's not always easy from the travel agent's perspective. Uh, A lot of airlines, for example, make you actually rebook the the airfare um, at whatever the rate is at that time. If you've made a mistake, you know it's not a, even if it's just a, a, a you know a simple name change, and um, the airline will charge, and and the travel agent uh, you know is also entitled to charge in in those circumstances. So uh, just bear that in mind that um, you know you could be up for amendment fees, there could be cancellation fees, uh, and it's not just a, a always a, a simple matter. Uh, also, when paying for your ticket, the um, Airfares, I mean, airfares can change at any time, and certainly the taxes and the oil surcharges are quoted in US dollars, so uh, they're converted at the time that the ticket is issued. So until something is fully paid, um, you do run the risk of any increases that would occur during that time. So they're just little things to be aware of and, and think about before. You know, when you're, you're traveling or when you're making your reservations. Now, sometimes you need vaccinations and sometimes you don't. That's a, that's a very good point, Jane. Uh, vaccinations is something that um, we suggest that you uh, see your local doctor about. Uh, he should have access and he also knows what sort, you know, for example, malaria, if you're on certain drugs, then you can't take, or, well, it's not wise to take certain malaria um medications so um, yeah see your local doctor there are special um, uh, medical centers that that um, you know specialize um, well there's one in Newcastle which is the travel safe medical center Um, and you know you can ring them up and um, contact them to get your vaccinations and so they have up-to-date information and uh, it's is something as to uh, what diseases are prevalent in what areas and that's yeah and also the right medication because malaria well again harking back to malaria um, you know in some areas uh, the, the chloroquine resistant or, you know, they so there's different medications for different areas of the world. So, Travel is the subject on 2NURFM 103.7. And Barry Warwick, uh, frequent flyer programs, a lot of airlines have those. Yeah, um, usually the low-cost ones don't, but all the uh, other major ones um, pretty well do and they have their own programs. So uh, now this... This is sort of walking through a little bit of a minefield into, you know, whether they're valuable or not. But usually if you're doing a, a, you know, a return trip to Europe, it's probably worthwhile joining them. Now, it's important to note that, um, you know, Qantas, uh, you would pay for membership. Singapore Airlines, the membership is free. So, um, some are, some aren't. Some are, some aren't. So it depends a little bit on the airline. Now, also, the airlines quite often have affiliations with other airlines. For example, in the Qantas Frequent Flyer Program, um, if you travel on British Airways, you, that will also earn you points that go back onto your Qantas Frequent Flyer. Uh, American Airlines. There's a number of associated ones. Again, with Singapore Airlines, uh, they have affiliations with people like Thai, United Air, New Zealand, um, Lufthansa. So again, points can flow back to that frequent flyer program. The thing is that 
they're not always flow back at the same value as if you were flying on that airline. So that's an important thing to remember that while you will earn points, um, points have different values or accrue at a different rate. So um, say for argument's sake that um, the trip to Singapore, um, you got 1,000 points. If you were flying on, say, Thai to do the same trip, you might only get 750 points for that uh, that particular journey. So uh, I think some, sometimes people think, oh, yeah, it's an affiliated, I can accrue points, um, but they're not going to get the, that, that same value. What about cashing them in, so to speak, using them, getting services for your frequent card um, points? Again, cashing them in... Um, it varies a little bit, again, with the airline scheme. For example, Virgins, you have last-minute availability, and so you can usually um, pick any seat as long as you've obviously got enough points. Um, with some of the other airlines, uh, you they allocate a certain number of seats per flight, and once that's filled, that quota is filled, uh, there's no more seats available. And so that's why people often find that it's really difficult to get their frequent flyer points on the flight that they want. They want to go and Christmas time is when they're more likely to use them, but that's when everybody else is travelling, so uh, then they can't get seats. And I've known people to book their seats almost 12 months in advance just so that they can get the seat that uh, on the flight that they they want. Um, the, other t- the other thing is that when the flight gets close and if that flight hasn't filled, uh, then the airline might push some more out to frequent flyers. So it seems to me that you either book a long way in advance or try really close to the, the departure to time when yeah. they know how, how that plane's actually filling. So, yeah. Know but, how the system works. Yeah. But um, generally speaking, they're, they're good value as long as you're going to fly a lot or you're taking a long-distant flight. And, again, it may be worthwhile not joining another frequent flyer program and having it accrue back even though it's at a lesser rate because at least it's building up in one bank uh, rather than having a lot of little banks that you're not really going to be able to use at all. Talking travel. Thank you, Barry Warwick. And we'll be back talking travel again next Friday after the one o'clock news on 2NURFM 103.7.